Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Break the State Podcast. Joining me in this episode today, talking about some of the common objections that libertarians and anarchists get from those on the left, is Jamie Kane, host of the Liberty Uninterrupted podcast. You can find him over on Instagram at Liberty Uninterrupted. Be sure to give him a follow over there. So without further ado, I'm Dunk Limpman, and this is Break the State Podcast. All right, this is Break the State Podcast, episode four. As always, I'm your host, Dunk Limpman, and joining us today is Jamie Kane. Jamie is the founder of Liberty Uninterrupted and the host of the Liberty Uninterrupted podcast. Uh, I believe you can find him just about anywhere that podcasts are streaming. Uh, you can also find him over on Instagram at Liberty Uninterrupted. Uh, what's going on, Jamie? How's it going, man? What's going on, brother? Nothing much, man. I'm super excited to be on Break the State, man. I'm a huge fan, and uh, I appreciate you reaching out. So, Yeah, excellent. I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, So for anybody that's not familiar, um, you know, what's kind of like the quick two-minute, you know, background on on who is Jamie Kane and, you know, uh, what do you got going on? Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't know what's going on. With <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm not. I'm not well known. I can tell you that. I'm not. I'm nobody special. But so, like you said, I, I'm the founder of Liberty Uninterrupted. I am. I, I say a lifelong libertarian, but essentially, since I could legally vote, I've identified as a uh, libertarian and uh, just a liberty activist or liberty advocate, however you want to put that. And I uh, like we were talking before we we started recording is I have never shut away from. Uh, having the hard conversations in any facet of my life. And uh, especially when it comes to politics, because I have a, um, as a libertarian, I have a deep love for the founding values of our country. And I believe that America in its ideal is uh, an amazing place and the place that freedom uh, shines the brightest. Unfortunately, we don't have a government that lives up to those ideals or lives up to our founding documents. And so I decided if I'm going to start speaking to as many people as I want to, then I got to start a podcast. I actually had a lot of people reach out to me because I ran another podcast that was business oriented that had a pretty big following and uh, decided that the knowledge I I learned there could be applied to a liberty oriented podcast with an Instagram page where I'm not sure if I create memes, quote unquote. Um, I just create content of just that is focused on liberty. A lot of it quotes, a lot of it. Um, just my own personal ideals. And the whole point of my, uh, I guess, show and, and Instagram and, and what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to unite the liberty movement because I feel like there's a lot of division in, within our movement and understand that even though we disagree on a lot of things, uh, we are still part of a movement that wants to see minimalistic government or you know no government at all and just maximize liberty. And I think that's something we can all unite behind. And that's kind of the, uh, the elevator pitch, I guess. So awesome, man. Yeah. So, uh, so today on the podcast, I wanted to, uh, discuss this meme of all things that I saw over yeah. on Facebook. Um, <laughs> and this is my private Facebook account. I don't have one for break the state. That might be something uh, that I do in the future, 
But anyhow, an acquaintance of mine posted this and I almost commented on it, but I thought rather than getting into a debate with him in the comments, which usually doesn't really lead anywhere productive on Facebook, um, I decided that this was actually a, a good topic or like a handful of topics for us to kind of delve into um, in an episode. And so this actually has to do with Joe Jorgensen, um, the libertarian candidate for president. And I know that you um, campaigned for Joe. Yeah, I'm a I'm a volunteer campaign. I'm actually uh, I won't disclose where I live, but I am the city manager for my town for her nice. campaign. So I I head up uh, the campaign, uh, basically logistics in my area. So for her, yeah, mm. yeah, I know that um, Spike uh, Cohen, the um, the VP uh, candidate uh, for mm-hmm. the Libertarian Party, he's actually going to be um, in my state here soon and my uh, my girlfriend wants to kind of you know possibly go check that out but um, yeah he's you know, awesome for- man i love spike i think yeah. i think spike captures the uh, more left-leaning libertarians where joe jorgensen mm-hmm. captures the more classical libertarians so i think it's a good good mixture right yeah definitely and for me um you know personally i'm i guess what you would consider like an anarchist um, so I, I don't really believe in a state to begin with. So I don't really advocate on my page for, you know, George, Joe Jorgensen or for a, a government at all, um, you know, or on this podcast, really. But of course, you know, looking at the candidates, if you do, if you are, if you do find yourself wanting to vote, I would encourage you to vote for, you know, the person that's going to bring about the least amount of violence and destruction, which is obviously going to be the libertarian party. Yeah. Um, Yeah. At least in theory. I mean, we don't know for sure until they get in there at some point, but right. You know, for, uh, for me personally, I, I, um, I don't believe that we can really vote our way out of the situation that we're in now. I think it's really going to take a, a mass awakening of people to just kind of come to the understanding of what Liberty means um, for their life and uh, just really withdraw consent um, you know, in a sense from the system for, in order for the system to kind of collapse in on itself. And, you know, if we build up something else different from that, um, you know, at least it's in the hopes that it's a, a Liberty based, uh, system. Yeah. So I've heard that opinion before. And I don't necessarily disagree with it. I, I, I'm under the opinion that obviously the presidency, cause I, like I said, I, you know, as a libertarian, I am a constitutionalist. I believe that the mm-hmm. Constitution, while not a perfect document, is the best of all founding documents. And I and I think if you read it, it you know the men that created it were. And obviously, we can disagree. And that's totally fine, right? Like that's what this is all about. But I just believe the men that created that document, like, were all about like that individual liberty. While they may have not lived unto themselves, their ideals, I believe, were correct, right? But I agree that voting in itself isn't. I mean, I feel like as a I, I don't feel like you, I'm not one of those that says like you have to vote. And if you don't vote, you don't get an opinion because I, right. I think not voting is just as much action as voting. Um, I just, I, I want to vote uh, my principles and that for me, Joe Jorgensen aligns with almost everything I, I believe. Right. So mm-hmm. um, outside of a couple of different issues. So I, but I agree with I, voting at this point, I don't know how much it's going to change. My opinion is that we need to have a what's called a constitutional convention where right. we would essentially be reversing a lot of amendments. Um, and so I'm, I'm a big advocate advocate for that. And there's actually a convention of states um, dot org, I believe. And I've donated to them to kind of, you know, bring about that movement. So I agree with you there. I think it's just a different way of going about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the worries for me, you know, even with just the existence of a limited government is the thought that, um, 
you know, the, the state is always going to try to expand its reach and its power and what have you. Um, so my worry is that even with the small government, it's going to grow into what we have again now. I mean, we started with the Constitution, but, you know, we can get into that um, at Absolutely. another time. I think yeah, um, yeah. I just wanted to cover that while you while you. I know that's not what you want to talk about, but yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, definitely, man. Um, but so this uh, meme is probably a meme that most of us have seen uh, before, at least the the format. You know, it's got Homer Simpson standing in front of Marge. He's got like his uh, his chest puffed out. He's in that kind of Superman pose. Um, he's looking all you know uh, chiseled, <laughs> and it <laughs> it it's says. A great uh, meme. Yeah, it is. And uh, and on the uh, the bottom portion, it's got all of his like back, all of his fat tied around his back. And so it's kind of showing, you know, um, this is what somebody might be hiding. These are, you know, hiding their true intentions or hiding something um, that they don't really want you to find out. And so in this, the, you know, the good looking uh, Homer Simpson up at the top says Joe Jorgensen. And then with all of his like fat pulled um, back on the bottom portion, it says no paid maternity leave no minimum wage, no environmental regulations, no Medicare for all, uh, privatized education in prison, cut taxes for corporations, more welfare restrictions, and anti-union. <laughs> um, so basically, this is like a meme, probably from somebody on the left, absolutely. that's <laughs> saying, yeah, you know, this is why you shouldn't vote for Joe Jorgensen or, you know, these are the terrible things that would come with a libertarian presidency or, you know, just in a libertarian society uh, in general. These are a lot of the arguments that I actually get a lot, yeah. not even discussing Joe Jorgensen, but just discussing like a stateless society. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I wanted to see, you know, if we can kind of delve into some of these topics and kind of, you know, get some conversation going, some, uh, some disputes to, you know, these objections that people have. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's when you sent me that meme over Instagram, my first reaction was that's that's the reason I'm voting for, you know, and <laughs> I've seen a similar meme like this that said it was like an iceberg, right, where the tip of the iceberg is sticking out of the water and the rest of the iceberg, obviously, the bulk of it was underwater. And it mm. said like Joe Jorgensen at the top. And then it said, you know, uh, you know, legalizing ending the war on drugs, like, you know, police reform and so all the things that liberals like. But then underneath was basically all the economic stuff and like free market stuff. Right. And, uh, it's saying like she was hiding this agenda. And I post on that on face. That was on Facebook mm -hmm. and, and for of a friend of mine that's actually voting for Biden. I said, that's all the reasons I'm voting for, man. Like, I, I you know, I think <laughs> all those things are fantastic things. So I, I'd love to dive into this. And there's plenty of rebuttals for uh, that meme. So there's no shortage of opinions there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so I guess let's start with number one, which is no paid maternity leave. Um and, you know, the first thing I want to say on that is that right now, as far as I'm aware, there is no federal regulation uh, for um, businesses to provide paid maternity leave. However, in, you know, the, the society that we're in now, a lot of businesses do choose to pay maternity leave mm -hmm. to people. So I'm not fear that, you know, it's going to just dissolve, um, that businesses are no longer going to offer that because they already do and they're not being forced to. Right. Um, you, what are your thoughts on uh, on paid maternity leave? I know you said before the show you didn't have a whole lot of uh, thoughts on that particular topic, but you know what, what's what's your initial thought on that? Yeah, I think if so, if this came into it with uh, came into a conversation of mine uh, was if somebody was trying to see if they were trying to vote for Joe Jorgensen. Um, mm -hmm. I think my reaction would be this: is like what's going to be with you now? I don't know a ton on that subject. I haven't 
you know, did a, I haven't done a deep dive into uh, paid maternity leave or not. I thought there was a law or something like that saying that there there had to be. I don't know if there is either. Um, but sorry, my dog is in the room with me. I got to do that. My opinion is this. The government has no place in telling a business how to operate. Zero. Absolutely. In a free market capitalist society, which we are not in right now, which the left likes to claim that we're in a free market society. And mm-hmm. we're definitely not. We're living in corporatism or crony capitalism, right? But mm-hmm. the government has no place in telling a business how to operate. And so my opinion is, and, and a lot of libertarians and probably yours as well, that businesses will do what they have to do because they are selfish, right? So if they want the best employees, they're going to have to require a maternity leave. If they don't have a maternity leave, then they're going to lose a good section of employees that require that, like good, hardworking women that mm-hmm. you know want to start a family. They're not going to go work there because if they don't have the maternity leave, then I'm not going to sacrifice that for you. And so they're going to have to compete with the market just like I don't know any company right now that doesn't have paid maternity leave. And if we got rid of that law, we don't have any law already. Then that just goes to show you that the free market has in some way has already solved that problem. And so that would that would kind of be my opinion there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's actually really well put. Um, my, you know, my one input that I want to say is just that in defense of, um, you know, a company that may not want to offer paid maternity leave is that, you know, if it might be a job where you are on your feet, you know, moving heavy objects or out in the heat or what have you. And, uh, you know, some people kind of think it, it seems to me that they think that no matter what the job is, if they were to get pregnant and leave, that they should continue getting paid. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, if I'm mowing you or excuse me, if I'm paying you to mow my lawn and you're eight months, yeah, pregnant, you mow can... anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, if, if you're eight months pregnant and, and you can't uh, mow the lawn anymore, I'm still going to have to pay somebody else to do that. So right. why should I continue to pay you, you know, to do a, a job that you can't perform physically? Um, you know, and, and we don't know how long it's going to be until you're back. And so, you know, when I hired you for the position, it was under the assumption that you were going to be able to do the job. And if you can't do the job, you know, that's not necessarily, especially considering that, you know, leftists are typically more, um, you know, pro-choice they're pro-abortion. And so in their mind, they are making the decision to keep the baby, you know, um, and and then yeah, I find that that's an interesting dichotomy, isn't it? How the left likes to talk about because I'm personally pro. I, that's one of the few positions I hold that the Libertarian Party does not is that mm-hmm. I am pro life. Um, I think life is an inherent right, and uh, so and people can disagree with me. That's fine, but I think it's an interesting uh, dichotomy there because you're you, you're in favor of paid maternity leave, but then you're also in favor of in my opinion, killing an unborn child. Right. And so it's just kind of interesting how that, that yeah, I'm sure somebody could poke a hole in that argument, but that conflict there seems almost, you know, too easy to dismiss. Right. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you, but I agree with you. I think I didn't think about the physical labor jobs. And and I think one point ahead of that is I don't think any business should discriminate against anybody. I don't, I, mm-hmm. I just don't think the government should uh, force them to do that. Right. I just think, right morally, if you own a business, if I own a business, I'm going to treat everybody the same. That's what I would do. But the government shouldn't force me to, to do that. Right. And so but my what I was going to say is with those physical labor jobs, those are primarily dominated by men, obviously. And so if a company wanted to not discriminate against women, but say, like, we really want to 
hire men because this is very taxing, like working at a steel mill, they could say, yeah, we're not going to offer paid maternity leave, which would then probably cut out a lot of, you know, women that they wouldn't be willing to hire unless a woman doesn't plan on, you know, having children. She wants to work in the physical field, the blue collar field, then she'd be more than welcome to work there. Right. But I think that cuts out the kind of people that maybe they're not looking to hire. And so that could be a way to do that without discriminating. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. See, I think you had more, more to say on it than you thought you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're surprising me, man. You're just, you're making me, you know, put my back up against the wall here. You know? Oh man. No worries. No worries. <laughs> so um, let's jump to number two, uh, which is no minimum wage. Um, yeah. I know this is a big one for, um, for libertarians. I mean, even, even conservatives, you know, that, that are against the minimum wage, but specifically for, for yourself and I libertarian anarchist, whatever you want to call it. Um, when talking about the minimum wage, that's, that's a, that's a hard one, especially, you know, and I said for conservatives, but there's also a lot of conservatives that do support the minimum wage. So this is not one only that we have to argue with the left on, but sometimes the right as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on a uh, minimum wage? I'm always going to default to the free market. Do I think that minimum wage is a good thing? Yeah. I don't believe there should be a living wage. I don't, I, don't, I hate that term on the left because minimum wage jobs are meant to help you get through school or get, you know, get into the professional world. I understand how your work ethic works or, get, or even get through high school. Like minimum wage jobs are not meant to support a family. So I hate the idea of a, there has to be a living wage. That's ridiculous. In my opinion, in a free market society where the government is not involved whatsoever in what businesses do, there wouldn't be a minimum wage. And once again, the free market solves, I, I don't know if all problems, because we haven't lived in that society for a really long time. Uh, at least as long as we've been alive. But right. I think that if you want to once again hire the best employees, then you're going to offer the best pay, right? And so mm -hmm. I think if if it comes down to the free market, if we didn't have the government involvement, it once again, businesses would say, I'm not going to say, hey, I'm going to pay you $2 an hour because nobody would want to work there. They're going to have to compete with businesses just like on products or services with trying to hire the best people. And if they don't, I'm telling you right now, if I walk into a place and they and I've turned down jobs at four, you know, and they say, hey, we're going to offer you this. And I think it's below what the value that I bring to the table. Then I'm going to go look for a job elsewhere. That happens now all the time. And I don't even think about minimum wage. So uh, I, that's my opinion on there. Uh, you know, I don't know if that if that's what you were looking for, but I think that's probably the simplest answer I could give you right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing really that you said there that I can necessarily disagree with. Um you know, for me, uh, another point to bring to the table with that is, um, especially again, for people on the left, this also kind of falls into the whole union bit is that, you know, a certain group of people have decided that no, you, you know, it's one thing to say that I will not work for less than $10 an hour, but it's another thing to say that guy over there will also not work for less than $10 an hour. If that guy over there wants to work for seven fifty that's his prerogative and you don't have, you know, authority over this other human being to decide what their labor is worth. Um, you know, that's between them and the person that, that they're contracting with. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think that's, uh, I, I think, and the funny thing is that unions, when they first started, when people first started unionizing, they weren't a bad thing because people were voluntarily getting involved and they were, mm -hmm. it was there originally to protect the rights of, uh, the, the, uh, workers now unions, I unions nowadays are a freaking joke. And, uh, you know, I don't, I just, they're just, 
they're they're lobbyist groups now. They don't even they don't even mm. protect the people they're supposed to protect their employees. But I think if we lived in a free market society where once again the government is not involved and people did want to unionize to ensure that hey, like we want to make sure our trade is getting a fair shake and still the government's not involved. But hey, like as a as a unified group that they want and then volunteer to be in, we do that then that's our prerogative to band together as a tribe of sorts and say, none of us are going to work for less than that. I think that's a positive thing. Uh, obviously today, unions, once again, have become lobbyist groups. They're not really, and they don't even protect their employees. But I think in a free market society, I think unions could work um, if we're looking at it like that, like they originally were meant to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess since we're kind of on the topic of unions, just to kind of sum that up, I would also say that Again, like you said, people should be free to organize and in a free market, they can organize as they wish. But again, at the same time, it just is bearing in mind that somebody still can come in and, you know, Absolutely. they would call it undercutting them. They would call them a scab yeah. or what have you, but they're going to come in and say, look, you guys don't want to work for $10 an hour. I I'm happy to do it and I'll go in there and, and, you know, do the job. And it really is just a matter of, of what the market, you know, how the market Absolutely. works itself out. Yeah. So. I, I, it, being in a unit doesn't automatically make you right. Right. It just means you want to band together as a group and say, these mm -hmm. are our demands for employment. Right. But if, if Mike is in union a, and then there's Dan, who's not in any union, he's willing to work for seven fifty, not 10. then that, that, that company has the right to hire that guy for seven fifty, And that's Dan's right to take less money if he wants to. Right. Uh, so I, I totally agree there. That's, that's the beauty of free market. I mean, that, that's uh, phenomenal. I think, and also there's a, there's a certain point where, I know a lot of people are afraid that, you know, that if we didn't have any government, quote unquote, regulations, that, that we would turn into like almost a Mad Max Fury, Fury Road of corporations. Right. Like, you know, uh, in that we would be run by corporate overlords and not, uh, <laughs> you know, politicians. But at the end of the day, we people don't understand that D.C. and corporations are already in bed together. They have already been in together and we are run by corporatism now. Free market mm -hmm. capitalism stands for the individual. And I think we're, that's where people that don't understand economics, and I'm not an expert, but I have tried to understand as best as I can. Uh, we have to understand that we are already living in that system and you just don't even realize it. Right. So a free market to me is always going to be the answer to these to these questions. One hundred percent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's jump into number three, which is no environmental regulations. I know this is a very big one for especially people on the left, um, yeah. is that, you know, in a, in a society where we let the market run free, um, it, it, everybody's just going to be polluting everywhere is kind of their idea. We're just going to be dumping <laughs> chemicals into people's backyards and, yeah you know, the world will be on fire by, by 2022, you know what I mean? In, in their mind. Um, this right, man, we're going to be on fire anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't matter, dude. we already yeah. are on fire. Yeah. That's a good point. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so, so what are your thoughts, you know, as far as, um, regulations, yeah. uh, environmental regulations in a free market, you know, do you, do you think that the market can regulate itself, um, in that regard? I do. Yeah, I think the EPA is a joke of an organization, for one. I'll just say that. But two, I actually just had this conversation. I saw a friend of mine who's, who's slightly left-leaning post a meme on his Instagram that said, on, on my personal Instagram, it said, uh, 
Um, Black Lives Matter shouldn't be a political, shouldn't be politicized, and the environment shouldn't be politicized, this, that, and the other. And I said, I agree with that statement. I don't think any of those things should be inherently political. But the problem is the duopoly, the system we're in, makes those things political, right? Mm -hmm. And so personally, on a personal level, I would consider myself an environmentalist, not like a hippie, you know, tree hugging, like chain myself to a tree and like, I don't, I, I eat meat. I'm not a freaking vegan, but I, <laughs> I really enjoy the outdoors. Like I love to hike. I love to kayak. I cycle. Like I love being outside. I oh, love yeah. the plants that we have. Like I love my favorite vacations are going to the best hiking places in the world. That's what I want to do. I don't want to go yeah, 100. You know what I'm saying? So I'm about protecting the environment. I just don't think the government does a good job of it. I don't think it does at all. If we look at the free market once again, and we're even living in corporatism, as I've already said. But if we look at the market as is, companies now, like I just went to Blaze Pizza the other day, big fan of Blaze Pizza, and they're not doing the straw things. They're doing like the sippy cup top lids or whatever, which I think is ridiculous. But the point being is no one forced them to do that. No one forced them to stop giving people straws. They inherently did it. More and more businesses, for instance, like the Staples Center where the Lakers play, um, is powered almost exclusively by solar power. No one made them do that. Now, the state has incentives for them to do that, California, obviously. But at the end of the day, uh, they decided to do that on their own will and accord. And at the same time, I think a lot of people like me, I appreciate when thing, when a cup says, you know, made out of recycled material. I think it's a good thing to recycle. I just don't think the government should force a company to do that. But am I, as a consumer, going to go somewhere that says, hey, like we care about the environment, like we're recycling stuff. We want to give you the best products, blah, 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 and protect the planet we love. I will go there instead of the place that like says, yeah, we're just going to throw trash in the street, right? Like yeah. that's how that works. I think a lot of people care about the environment. And I think we see that already without government regulations. And the problem is the government always makes things worse. They always make things hard for companies and for individuals. And we look at the rate right now. I, I don't think the environment's any better having the government in it right now. I mean, look at California. They have a million environmental regulations. And that place is a freaking dump, dude. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, it is. It's yeah, just a, no. No offense to anybody live in California, but there's trash everywhere. There's needles in the street. There are people shit in the middle of the street. I mean, I just don't see how their policies have helped them at all there. Yeah, California is just California is California. <laughs> we, can, yeah. we can just do yeah. a, whole, a whole podcast <laughs> yeah. on that. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> fleeing, man. They're fleeing in droves <laughs> in California. I, I'm seeing oh, that God. where I live, and you probably do too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm from Texas, and they, um, Yep. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot of them here. I, know, like, I always just, you don't tell Texas on Instagram because I have a lot of friends <laughs> in Texas. So it's yeah. uh I don't I don't blame them for posting that, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what's your opinion on that. If you if you agree with that or you think there should be you probably don't considering you consider yourself an you know and cap, but uh I, I'm interested right. in what you think. Yeah, well one thing that I wanted to point out um when it comes to the environment is that the United States federal government is one of the world's worst polluters, especially when you consider the United States military and yeah. not, you know, the depleted uranium and, you yeah. know, all of in the just the tons upon tons of um, fossil fuels that are that are eaten up by the, the military industrial complex. Um, and these are things that wouldn't inherently exist in a free market a genuine free market where we don't have or at least in a you know in a stateless society or in just a, a libertarian society we wouldn't be going overseas and um getting involved in all of these these foreign wars and things so you know that's 
tons and tons of, of, an, um, you know, environmentalism, you know, brought back, you know, or, or brought back into our hands, you know, away from, away from the state, um, is just kind of defunding the, the military, um, in that regard. And, and, uh, again, going back to the state is the, uh, subsidization or subsidizing of the, uh, corn industry and, you know, with the farming in general, but specifically with the corn, it, you know, corn is used as um, majority for livestock feed. And I know, um, I, I don't know the science behind this as much, so I'm not really going to try to dispute that, but I do know I've heard a lot of people on the left, especially vegans and what have you that say how bad meat consumption is for the environment. And so again, yeah. without such, you know, without the state being involved in these subsidies for these, uh, for the farming industry, that would substantially reduce the amount of meat that people consume, which it, you know, assuming that the science is there, then that would be another, you know, another thing for the environment that would right. be, you know, a cost, you know, benefit, I guess you would call it. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Society. You know, I, I mean, I do, I had, I had tri tip steak for dinner tonight at a friend's house, right? Like I, I love meat. I think, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know the science behind the fact that like, you know, creating meat um, is harmful to the environment. I've heard that a plenty of times. Um, I'm right. also kind of like, I personally like to eat organically just because I don't mm -hmm. like all the crap they put in our food and stuff nowadays. Yep. I try to eat organically as possible. I'm not perfect at it, right? But I'd like to, I'd rather go get a cow from a farm or go, you know, eat something that, that uh, a buddy of mine, you know, kills when he goes and hunts, you know? So I think that, uh, the, once again, the government doesn't have to force anything to do, force anybody to do anything. I think at the end of the day, human beings, um, we've done okay. I don't, I wouldn't say we've done perfectly, obviously, and there's a lot of idiots out there, but it's not like government has made our society any better, right? It's not like mm -hmm. they have, it's not like the invention of government, um, especially what we have now, has drastically changed how we're not living in a utopia because we have a massive government now. <laughs> that was always the idea, right? People just think, oh, we haven't gone far enough. No, we've gone too far, and that's the issue. And I think that's evidently clear in the environmental. I actually served in the U.S. Army right after I graduated mm -hmm. high school. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, you know, if I had to take it back, I would have. But, uh, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't, I'm not ashamed of my service, but joining the military, I can definitely test what you just said about the, the waste and the pollution and to the fact that we're fighting wars not for freedom's sake, and we're involved in too many places at one time for no good reason. And we're making ourselves less safe by being all over the place. So I wanted Absolutely. to comment on that because I have firsthand experience there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that was something I, I did fail to mention that, that uh, you did serve in the military. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, one last thing that I just want to say is that um, pollution really, what it comes down to is a property rights issue. Um, if your neighbor is polluting and that's causing your land you know, to, to become polluted, then that's a, that's a property rights issue. That's something that you would take to a court system, whether that's a private court system or a government run court system or whatever the case may be, you know, that's, that's an infringement on your rights as a property owner to have this other, you know, um, property owner down the road that's, you know, polluting your air, polluting your water supply and all of these different things. So that's just one more, yeah. you know, point I wanted to add to that. I about that that's you know super can i ask you a question actually if that's okay with mm -hmm. you yeah i uh so what would you say about what is the anarchist view i mean I, i've studied a lot of you know um anarcho-capitalist ideas obviously i consider myself obviously a libertarian and i definitely mm -hmm. 
I think I'm somewhere in the middle of, between a libertarian and a minarchist or a minarchist. I don't know how you pronounce that, but I say minarchist. But so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm somewhere there. What's the end cap view of uh, of public land? Because I know that there's some people that say, like, <laughs> there should be no public land. It should be all privatized. And I don't actually have right. an opinion on this. So I just wanted to see what, what your opinion was. Yeah, so if that's actually one, if not, dude. Like, I'm sorry, I asked you the question. So no, no, you're fine. So that's actually, um, I won't get too deep into that because, for one thing, I I am still kind of doing my research on that, and that's actually something that I want to bring up on another podcast. I'm kind of actually awesome. um looking for somebody to discuss that with currently, but I will say that I believe in a stateless society. I suppose that there could be sort of like um you know a crowdfunded public space, right? Um, and, and this is something that I think you brought up with, um, that libertarian bitch from Instagram and that's her Instagram <laughs> name. We're not calling her a bitch here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> she asked us to call her that. So don't, uh, no one get offended out there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that was something that you guys had talked about is like voluntary taxes. Right. And, and, and when you say that, when you say that, you know, your ideal system is actually where you would have like voluntary taxes to me, I'm like, I mean, he's actually a little more of an anarchist than he gives himself credit for, but <laughs> I won't push you on that. Uh, but, before. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, getting to my point is that people, people are free to, to put their money together. And, and if, you know, a thousand people uh, buy, you know, a several hundred acres of land and they want to, you know, allow anybody to have access to that. Maybe there's a fee to get in or what have you. Um, just like a, a park might be now. Um, you know, when you go to a state park, you usually pay a fee. Mm -hmm. It would be the same type of thing I would think. Um, yeah. but definitely I've, I'm going to have somebody on, I hope, um, at some point in the future to discuss, cause definitely one of the big, um, topics that I've always kind of consider or wondered about in my mind is like the, um, the national parks, you know, if the state were to dissolve, what's going to happen to the national parks. And I think that a lot of people really value that land and being yeah. able to go out and, you know, like you said, go hiking and kayaking and all those things. I love all of those things as well. Um, so, you know, how would we preserve those things without having to use the, the aggression and the violence of the state? Um, so that's definitely something that I'm going to bring up uh, on, on a future, uh, podcast, but I do yeah, appreciate I you bringing that up. I'll definitely be giving that one a listen. Cause I look for, I think that's one of the few problems that I haven't seen libertarianism offer me a, uh, you know, a decent answer to that, you know? And so I, I look forward to hearing that, man. I, I think, um, because like you said, national park, I live close to several national parks actually, and they're beautiful places and I'd hate to see them get ruined. And so it's, but I also don't think that the government should be, you know, obviously running our lives. So it's a conundrum. So I, I look forward to hearing that episode. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's hop into, is it number four? Um, no Medicare for all. I know this is another, this is a hot button issue, especially, you know, in our um, society nowadays in, in, in the United States, a lot of people really want Medicare for all. They want this universal socialized medicine they point to countries like canada and the uk and talk about how amazing it is over there with their medical system what do you have to say about socialized medicine medicare for all that good yeah. stuff i have <laughs> i'll have to I, i'm gonna have to you know make sure i don't overdo this man because i have a lot of opinions when it comes to this one i think socialized medicine it, it, does not need to be proven that it's a horrible idea, that it does not work, that it costs so much more, and that the quality of healthcare um, decreases drastically. 
I actually had a conversation with two of my best friends who happened to be married and, uh, and, uh, the wife, you know, we were talking about, we ended, we started the conversation talking about gun rights because I'm a two a absolutist. I think all gun restrictions are unconstitutional and uh, against our in, in, in natural right to keep and bear arms and protect ourselves according to the non-aggression principle. Um, and, but then it got into, uh, healthcare. And she said, well, don't you believe that healthcare is a human right? I said, no, I, I, I don't believe that. And then we also got mm-hmm. into like the cost and she said how expensive it was. And, I, and this is what I told her. I'll just say this because this is the shortest way I can probably answer it is the government makes the government makes everything more expensive. When the government got involved, when Obamacare became a thing in this country, premiums increased by, I think, five to seven hundred percent. It was astronomical. Um, I remember my parents talking about how they couldn't afford health care anymore. And that was the first in my life that I ever thought that that would have to be a thing. And so what happens is we see that when the government gets involved, especially when it comes to socialized medicine, well, there's only one option. That means there's no competition. There's no free market answer to that. So quality of health care will decrease because there's no competition. Right. And we see um, areas of, of like plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery are increasingly becoming cheaper because government is not involved in those industries, right? There's no subsidies. There's no regulations really in those two industries. And yet the the quality of the surgeons has increased, but the pricing has decreased. It's supply and demand. it's It's the art of competition. It's basic economics. So when you take the the competition out of the market, prices are going to rise because why wouldn't they? There's no competition. What does it matter? Because we they have to compete with the government in the first place. And so my answer to that is this. Get government out of healthcare. Remove the, the stupid state line argument saying that because I live where I live, I can't get a policy in, you know, in, in Kentucky or New York. Right. Like I should where I live shouldn't matter. I should be able to call a local insurance company in Indiana and say, hey, I want to get a policy from you because the guys here locally are just gouging me. That would eliminate so much high cost just by allowing interstate competition. So hopefully that wasn't too, too much. But that's that's my opinion there. (laughs) No, you're fine. I think that um, that definitely covers, you know, the economic um, aspect of it. And what I want to add you know, jumping back to the beginning where you said um, you were talking about healthcare as a human right. And you said, no, I don't agree with that. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I don't agree with that either. Um, uh, There's a lot of things that people believe are a human right, you know, healthcare, education, housing, food. And, you know, that sounds very um, radical, you know, an idea that you, you don't have a right to these things, but, what people fail to understand is that in order for these rights to be upheld, somebody is going to have to produce something for you. So in order for you to have a right to healthcare, that means that there must be a doctor that's willing to, or even not willing that that is forced to, you know, perform services on you. Um, if, if you're on a desert Island and there's two, you know, you and one other person and you break your leg and the other person doesn't heal it up for you. You're not being oppressed. Yeah. That's what it ultimately comes point. down to. You know, right. it'll, every, every <laughs> right, yeah, every yeah. right has to come down to you and one other person on a desert Island. If X happens and the other person doesn't do something to make your life better in that circumstance, you know, are your rights being, being, uh, infringed upon? And it's almost always the answer is no, as long as they're not 
harming you, harming your stuff, taking from you your life, liberty, or property, your rights are not being infringed upon. You are not being oppressed by not being granted, you know, the labor or the um, fruit of the labor of another person. Yeah, I think that's a great example. I think you said life, liberty, and, and property. That comes from John Locke, right? I, I love mm. how I love how liberals like to use that argument. I've heard it before, like, oh, you're because I mean, in libertarianism and you know, in constitutional conservatism, and I, I'm probably even being an ANCAP, like, there's a lot of respect for John Locke because he was such a, a individualist and believed in individual freedom and rights. Uh, and they like to use that whole property thing against us. But it, what he, he wasn't saying that like the government should give you property. He was saying that you have a right to your own property and you have a right to protect your property. Right. And that's I mm-hmm. believe that life, liberty, pursuit of happiness and the non essentially, I believe that when it, the all the government should do, all the government should do is ensure our rights and our rights. Personally, in my opinion, uh, are guarded by the non-aggression principle. Right. Essentially, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. That's the, the old adage in the libertarian movement. Um, you know, Matt Kibbe wrote a book about that. And so mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with healthcare. At the end of the day, it's people like that's that's how they escape that. Right. Oh, the government's to protect our rights. So if we say that healthcare is a human right, then they have to protect it. And that's how they try to get away with that. But our, our rights are secured by the non-aggression principle. And that's pretty much all I think the government is good for. And so uh, when it comes to healthcare. It, we would be a, we would be much better served and we and more people would have health care. And even the oldest generations that are, are retired and aren't working would have better health care in a free market where people are competing for their services and offering the best solutions. Um, competition goes up and quality goes up. That's it, that's how it works in economics. Yeah, absolutely. And there's actually there's a great video um, by. Uh, a YouTube channel called, uh, I think it's Bitbutter, B-I-T-B-U-T-T-E-R, Bitbutter, something like that. Um, I'll uh, I'll post it on my Instagram here soon that talks about, um, you know, when the government got involved in healthcare, you know, prior to that, um, how how much cheaper it was and, and yeah. you know, kind of the reasons behind that. It's a really great little short um, animated video that just about anybody can uh, understand. Um, so I'll definitely be posting that, that soon. You would think anybody could understand it. And then you show sure Bernie, bro, and, and you'll be surprised, man. So. That's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> um, so number five on this list here, we've got um, privatized education and prisons. Mm-hmm. And really, this is kind of two separate things. So I guess we'll maybe start with education and then we'll jump to prisons afterwards. Um, But privatized education, I know, again, education is a right is a big, you know, um, rallying cry on the left. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on privatized education versus public education? Yeah. Well, I'll say this too, before we even get into it, the whole prison thing, I'll let you take the lead on that because I haven't thought enough about that. Uh, The education thing I have. So happy to happy to help with this one. (laughs) I think it, it, I think it goes without even really being said. If you look at public schools and you look at private schools, which schools have better average GPAs? It is typically the private schools. What's the reason why? Is that they can they can be selective about the students that they bring in for one. And that's I know that's an argument against the left thing. So I'll get in a second. But two, the 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 uh, the people they hire. They can hire more quality people because it is privatized, because they can be more selective on who they hire. Obviously, to, to go to a private school, you have to. And I went to public schools. Right. I think I went to a private school like one year of my entire life. And I tell you what, it was the nicest school that I went to. 
And so it was, mm-hmm. it was too expensive, obviously compared to public school, which is free. So I couldn't go anymore. Um, but with all that being said, it was nicer. I actually got better grades in that school than I had in my entire life because I wasn't a school guy. And so I think you can see that now that the quality of education is better in privatized education for one. Two, with public education, you see that there are so many issues with the curriculum. I am under the deep, deep uh, belief that the Department of Education at the federal level needs to be abolished yesterday. Uh, The fact of the matter is the government believes that they know better than we do how to educate our children, how they should learn, what they should do. If we had a privatized system uh, of education that was based at the state and local levels, parents could select the schools that best fit their students, not only their interests, but how they learn, what what they're good Mm -hmm. at learning, what they're not good at learning. They could there would be schools that are specialized to do that and that parents could make the decisions within their communities about how they want their kids to learn and where they want them to learn. And that's my biggest issue is that the government is telling us that we don't know best for our children, which is utter bullshit. Excuse my French. (laughs) No, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, like you said, I went to I went to public school as well. My son goes to public school. We simply can't afford to do a homeschool or a private school thing at the moment. Um, So, you know, this is not to bash on anybody that went to public school. Most people did. Absolutely not. Um, But but like you said, I I really liked what you brought up about, um, you know, how children learn and um, being able to to teach them in different ways. There's no one size fits all. And this is something that I, you know, I, when I posted something recently, I don't even remember which meme it was, something about um, about public schooling uh, versus homeschooling. And everybody's like, well, you know, when you homeschool um, your kids, they're going to come out, they're going to be weird. They're not, they're going to be socially um, awkward and all of these things. And I, you know, I'm like, maybe <laughs> because they aren't one of the, you know, the worker drones that continuously gets churned out by this state monopoly on education you know, yeah, they're going to be a little bit different. They're going to be smarter. They're going to be more mature. They're going to be better equipped to handle everyday situations. They're not going to need a safe space. Um, you know, when they get out of, when they get out of high school, um, because they're going to be around different people of different ages, different ideas. Um, same thing, you know, like you said, for, for private schools, you can, um, send your children to a private school that's best catered to meet their needs. Um, as opposed to this uh, monopoly is one word that I think we've been missing from the conversation uh, this evening is, you know, the state always has a monopoly on these different things. And you might've actually mentioned that um, in the healthcare portion, come to think of it. But, uh, but again, you know, something that the left is often opposed to are monopolies. And when you look at the fact that the state has a monopoly on education, and we know for a fact that as you pointed out earlier, these huge mega corporations are in bed with the state, you know, these mega corporations are the left's, you know, worst enemy. And here they are in bed with the state and they are influencing what our children are learning through this monopolized education system. Why would you want your children to go to this state run, you know, indoctrination camp and, and what um, there's a, a free talk live um, is a, a radio show that I've probably mentioned way too often on this show. Um, but uh, one of one of their hosts, it's an anarcho-capitalist libertarian type of program. It's nationally syndicated. I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up. Yeah, definitely check it out. They're nationally syndicated. They're on like, you know, AM radio. They might even be in your town. Uh, they're not in mine, but I just catch the, you know, the MP3 uh, download later. But um, right, right. anyhow, where was I going with this? One of the um, hosts commonly just refers to public school as the, um, God, what was it now? The the daycare, <laughs> basically the yeah, public daycare, sure. you know, um, 
that's one thing that people bring up a lot is, you know, not everybody can afford to, to, to pay for their kid to go to school. Well, you already are paying for your kid to go to school. You're even if you don't own land and you're not getting a property tax handed to you, um, once a year, you're still paying a property tax. You're paying your apartment, um, owner, you know, a small portion that they're going to use later to pay their property taxes. So even though you don't see it, you're still paying for it in one way or another. Nothing's free. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, that's, I think, and I want to go back to something that you said, uh, if I can remember what you said in the beginning now, I, I that was a lot, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're, no, you're, no, I, I talked a lot too. Uh, what, what did you say? You, what, what did you say in the beginning of that statement? Something about, uh, dang it. I can't even remember. Shit. Shit. Uh, I can't it comes back to me, I'll say it, but I agree with all, <laughs> all of what you just said. I think, uh, it goes without being said that, oh, you talked about standardized, basically standardized testing, right? Like, the, the, the government uh, having a monopoly on on this is how kids this is how kids should learn. I mean, you look at right. standardized testing, you look at like the SOL and stuff that I had to take. Um, I grew up in Virginia. That's where I'm originally from. You know, I no longer live there, but uh, and the SOL was a big thing there, in, which is hilarious because you say SOL, shit out of luck. That's what it was with that when you were taking that test. Because <laughs> if you didn't learn like the rest of the kids did, like I didn't, um, I, I you know, it's, it's one of those things that you're just up a creek without a paddle. And it's unfortunate because I think a lot of really, really smart, articulate kids get missed in our system simply because the state deems them um, not worthy. They, they deem them that, oh, they're not, they're not up to our standard. And so therefore we're just going to say that they need to go uh, to special education and, and be dumped mm-hmm. out or be indoctrinated. Oh, that was the other thing that I wanted to cover too, was you talked about how, why would you want to send kids to where you're being, they're being indoctrinated? And I think right. that makes sense for you and I. The issue is that the, that the overwhelming population of teachers are left-leaning by far. Mm-hmm. They did a study, I think it's like 80-something percent of teachers are, are liberal. And so liberals, why would they care? Because their kids are being taught the narrative that they're already being taught at home. They don't care. And right. they want other kids to be taught that because they think that's what's best. The issue is if you flip the script and let's say they were being taught, you know, Trumpism in school, right? You know how fast liberals would pull their kids <laughs> out of school or be riding in the streets saying that they're indoctrinating their kids? It'd be tomorrow. And yeah, that's absolutely. the thing. It, it, people, I, oh, I want you to have your opinion. I want you to, you know, this until I don't agree with it. That's not how this right. thing works, man. And that's, you see that on the left and the right. It happens on both sides. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's jump into, I know you said you don't have a lot of, a lot to talk about on privatized prisons and, um, I, I have a little bit, so I'm going to, yeah, I want to start by saying it. that, um, the quote unquote private prisons that we have now, uh, that people use and as, as an example for their basis argument against privatization of prisons is, um, where's I going with this? Excuse me. The prisons that we have now are not actually private. First of all, they do receive funding from the state. And perhaps what's more important is that the state is the one that's responsible for putting people in prison. They have this monopoly over law. So it's not the prison itself that decides who's going to come in. And so I think, you know, whether you're an anarchist or a minarchist type of libertarian, we would both agree that in our ideal society, we would have, we we wouldn't be putting people in jail for victimless crimes. You know, these quote unquote crimes that don't have a victim. Um, you know, drug use 
And, uh, and I know you mentioned prostitution in one of your recent shows, and that's one that's, uh, that's kind of hard for you, which I would love to talk about here in a moment. Um, but, um, you know, just owning particular types of firearms or, you know, even, um, going above the speed limit and things, obviously you don't usually go to jail for that, but if you failed to pay your speeding ticket, you absolutely would go to jail. Um, and so there's, you know, these, these different, um, different, different laws that we have, we, we have the world's largest prison population and anybody yeah, that of three were mass incarcerated, incarcerated, excuse me. You know, yeah, we, exactly. we cannot be claimed to be the land of the free when we have, we lead the world in mass incarcerations. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, um, you know, bringing up the, uh, the meme that you talked about with the iceberg and it talked about decriminalizing drugs and all these things. If you look at that meme and you can see, obviously, that libertarians want to decriminalize these victimless crimes so that there would be a shit ton less of people in jail in a libertarian society, whether that's a minarchist or an anarchist society, it doesn't matter. Nobody would be getting locked up for having an ounce of pot. And so, you know, that's I just wanted to bring that up. And then as far as... um, you know, private prisons in the absence of a state, I don't think there would be a very large demand to put, again, to put people in prisons other than the fact, you know, if you have a person that is clearly a threat to society, somebody that is, you know, raping or, or murdering people other than that, I mean, there's really no reason to lock somebody up unless they pose an imminent threat, have been shown to pose an imminent threat, you know, I, I wouldn't see the the demand for that. So I wouldn't see that right. people would necessarily want to pay for that service. Right. I, I think I agree with you um, 100%. I just, I haven't done enough of a deep dive. So I will say this, that no one should be in prison unless they have violated the non-aggression principle, unless they have directly harmed somebody or directly harmed or destroyed someone's property um, or obviously their family. I mean, I'll count that into the personal, right? Um, right. That, that, that's that's it. When it comes to you know drug possession, you, and you brought up my opinion on prostitution, or uh, you know even speeding. I actually haven't even thought about that, right? But at the end of the day, like, what does it matter if you were speeding if you didn't hurt anybody? Now, if you exactly. did hit somebody, or, or God forbid, you hit a child or whatever, you need to be held accountable for that because there mm-hmm. there you you violated the non-aggression principle right and so 100%. i that's my opinion on that it, it, i don't is that you shouldn't be in jail unless you violate that principle and i think that's i think if you say that to people it, that's not it sounds radical when you say no you shouldn't be going to prison for heroin use but heroin use i don't advocate i don't think anybody should be using heroin heroin's not a good thing <laughs> but i don't think that we should treat that person like they had just killed our neighbor we should treat that right. person that is obviously in distress and needs help from the community and is using that drug because there's that they probably have some troubles in their lives. And if they're, if they don't and they just want to use the drug because they feel good, well, that's their prerogative to do that. Right. So I, uh, I agree with everything you said. I just want to bring up the fact that I, I think that's a, you break the non-aggression principle. That's when we should talk about jail time. Anything outside of that, I think is, uh, you know, that goes into individual liberty. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I did quickly want to touch on, I don't think we're going to have uh, enough time to get to those last three points, but maybe that's yeah. something that we can discuss, um, you know, on another podcast or what have you, but yeah, I'd love to I, come back on, man. Absolutely. Sure. Yes. I, I definitely would love to have you back on in the future. 
Um, we are coming up on an hour here in just a moment, which is my hard limit um, from uh, from Anchor.fm that hosts my podcast. Yeah. But um, I did want to quickly ask you to touch on the uh, human trafficking thing. I know that's something that you're really big into, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's like a, a very valiant you know thing to to put your money in and your mouth and your actions behind. So you know, did you want to? Um, what did you want to you know say about that? Yeah. Um, I so I am a huge uh, anti human trafficking advocate. Um, I, I really learned about that fight in 2017 and learned about a specific organization called Operation Underground Railroad. You can find them at OURrescue.org that specifically fights against child sex trafficking. Um, I believe that children are the most innocent among us and need to be protected. And so I actually volunteer for them. I donate to them monthly. Um, and I actually was just asked to be an official presenter for the organization as well, um, presenting uh, for businesses and schools and stuff like that, talking about that. What most people don't realize is that if you take McDonald's, you take Subway and Starbucks, three of the biggest chains in the world and combine their revenue, human trafficking makes more money than that every single year than those three chains combined. It is the it is the grossest violation, in my opinion, of the non-aggression principle. And uh, it, it needs to be that my podcast and my show, Liberty Uninterrupted, that is one of our key facets is ending human trafficking. And I think all libertarians should be involved in that fight because it is the the worst of the worst of violations, uh, taking somebody's life, liberty and their pursuit of happiness away for someone else's sick and disgusting desires is uh is is utterly unthinkable especially when it comes to our children absolutely i couldn't have said it better myself well hey um jamie i appreciate you coming on today man it's been definitely a pleasure having you on the show and i definitely hope that you will join me again at some point in the future Um, dude i've really enjoyed our conversation and and i encourage everybody to listen to your your podcast i think you are very well thought out you are not one of those anarchists that's, that's there to be cool. I think you have really, really <laughs> opinions, and I appreciate that. I'll have to get you on Liberty Uninterrupted as well. So, yeah, 100%, man. You let me know. I'm, I'm down. I'm down for it. Um, so quickly, uh, plug your plug your website and your uh, your Instagram again one more time. Yeah, yeah. So you can find my Instagram at Liberty Uninterrupted. And then you can also find the website at libertyuninterrupted.com. That will be launching soon as a as a blog accompanying the podcast. And then you can find our podcast uh, wherever podcasts can be found. It's in the link on the Instagram. Um, you know, you can go to I actually use Anchor as well to host. So you can go to anchor.fm slash liberty uninterrupted to see where we host our pot where I host my podcast and and uh, check that out. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. I appreciate it. Excellent. All right. Well, have a good night, man. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much for tuning in to Break the State Podcast. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash break the state. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash break the state and clicking on the support button. Be sure to give me a follow over on Instagram at break the state for updates on the show and a healthy dose of liberty memes and other content. You can also find me on YouTube where every episode gets uploaded the Friday after its original release date. I want to give a big thanks to my guest today, Jamie Kane. Be sure to check out Jamie's podcast, Liberty Uninterrupted, everywhere that podcasts are streaming. And give him a follow on Instagram at Liberty Uninterrupted. That's it for me today, y'all. Until next time, remember, the United States federal government is the world's worst polluter. 
Peace.